0: Today on Inside the Ropes, Nick Dasty from the PGA Tour joins us to talk through the devastation of our summer of golf by COVID-19. We talk to a golfer who's aced all four of the par threes on his home course. And Elvis, that's Elvis Smiley, is in the building. Let's go.
1: You're listening to Inside the Ropes, Australia's Must Listen To Golf Show with exclusive content from both home and abroad. Subscribe through your favorite podcast app or listen at golf.org.au G'day
2: everybody and welcome to the show, Inside the Ropes, episode number 186. Where the time has fine. Lovely to be here, Annie Maher alongside not Mark Hayes today, Martin Blake Hazy having a Week off to recharge and refresh, and handing the reins over to a magnificent, um, a magnificent lieutenant. Hello, uh, Blakey. How are you, mate? G'day, Andy. We
0: missed you. Uh, been covering oh, a bit of cricket, haven't you? And yeah, it's been of a bit on. Yeah, a nah, couple of things been on to do. The last couple of weeks. So. Tell me this: Have you have you got out onto the golf course yet? Because for all our no. listeners who are outside of metropolitan Melbourne. Some of them would be aware that we've been off the golf course for twelve weeks because of COVID, and it came back this week. I've already had one one hit. Well, I uh, haven't unfortunately. I
2: hit it my, how, Did you? How, did you? Did you find middle the I middle shanked of the club it about five times. Oh no!
0: What was I'll the general standard
2: of golf like around you? Were people
0: playing okay or not? No, nah, everyone's so rusty, but it's just so great to get out there. I hit it. I hit a shank. Uh, with a short iron on the very first hole that I played, and I just walked <laughs> to that ball, and I thought, "Gee, I've missed this game." <laughs> but the truth is, I did miss it a lot, and it was great to be back. It just so my golf clubs—sometimes
2: my golf clubs beyond the twenty-five-kilometer ring of steel, oh. I can't get to it. So, <laughs> so oh I'm goodness. still in—I'm still in purgatory. I need to get to. We've got a little local uh, public course about about two k's away that I'll—I'll um, I'll get to, but. It's been flat. It has been absolutely flat. Chat. It's, what has it's been great? I went for a run the other day, and I saw I walked past two blokes, who were walking alongside the walking along the running track and the bike track, carrying their golf clubs, up towards Yarra Bend. So there's just this nice. joyful return to golf courses um, around the place, which is which is a great thing, and hopefully there'll be more and further relaxation of our ability to move around in the coming days or weeks. Um, We've got a big show today. Elvis Smiley is going to join us. Unbelievable performance at Capera Bowl. Nick Dasty, the uh, tournament director, PGA Tour Australasia, about the big news last week that the you know, the big tournaments, the big three, we're waiting on news about the Vic Open as well. The men's PGA, the men's Open and the women's Open, have all been cancelled for this summer. We're waiting on news on the Vic Open. We're recording this on a Wednesday morning. Uh, whether you've got any intel you can share with us on that Blakey The the, the, it doesn't feel good if if I was to share my gut feel with you now that the other three have had to be postponed cancelled I should say I don't like the chances of the Vic Open Announcement pending
0: Andy Announcement pending uh, on the Vic Open and the New Zealand Open uh, is going to confront the same issues although New Zealand um, has had a great record with COVID of course but I, I don't know what would happen with the quarantining. I mean, when we get Nick Dasty on, we'll be able to talk about some of the issues that, that uh, the golf industry has had to go through to to get to this decision to cancel those three events yeah. last week. They are, they are significant issues. It's not as simple as just moving tournaments here or there. The quarantine, the border closures, the expense, uh, you know, it's... Uh, For instance, mate, I I spoke to someone in the industry yesterday. I talked about one of the events that was played in Europe recently, and it was over $200,000 US in extra costs just to get the thing COVID safe. Yeah, right. They have to test all the players, test all the caddies, uh, make sure that they all stay in the same spot. They don't go anywhere else, go into the bubble. There's a a lot of issues here. So uh, it's been... I mean, that knocked your socks off last week, didn't it, to have women's open men's open and australian yeah. pga all fall over um, yeah, no, It's flattened. it's flat it's it's a bit of a disaster but it's it's part of the world we live in now i mean it's it's totally understandable and and in some ways not surprising when you look at
2: it i guess look we'll all talk to nick about all of this when we get there one thing that did cross my mind and i'll put this Nick when we get to him but when we get to it but it had, what, what we had the wa open and the wp wapga the last two weeks and They're ostensibly just West Australian fields and, you know, you can't get in and out and the difficulties of moving around Australia and those tournaments went on, um, you know, servicing the local um, golfing constituent professional and amateur golfing constituents of the state. It did cross my mind that, you know, why not just host the PGA up in Queensland and the Australian Open in Melbourne and the Women's Open in Adelaide? Still, it's still in Adelaide, isn't it? The women's Open yes. scheduled to be. Why not yes, just host them anyway, that. and whoever can get there, can get there to play, e- even without the corporate support, even without you know the the regulation kind of media, the TV. Just just scale it right back, and and play the events with the best fields that we can assemble. But then it, it, I did. The more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, the state stuff is one thing, but if you're playing a national Open or a national PGA, and not everybody from that country can get to that event. Uh, it does make it a bit unfair. Someone's going to get their name on that honour board uh, alongside you know, the truly open events that we've had in the past, the international events we've had in the past. And even potentially within the confines of Australia, there may be some golfers who can't get to Melbourne, who can't get to Queensland, or whatever it might be. And that would make it a bit unfair, I reckon, if you're, if you're putting someone's name on the honour roll. Might become the, the asterisk, asterisk so. event. Yeah,
0: um, yeah. Now, Andy, uh, do you wear black socks when you play golf?
2: So this, this I don't, but I wouldn't be opposed to it. If, if I had black shorts and a black shirt and black shoes, I'd have black socks on. I reckon it would be ridiculous not to have black socks on.
0: Yeah, it was an interesting week with Ewan Porter, uh, Sydney, New South Wales pro, who uh, who turned up at a club in Sydney. He hasn't identified which club it was um but it was one of the big ones in sydney and they asked him to change his socks he had black shoes on black short anklet socks and uh he then posted about it i think on instagram and Mm. said that he you know he put his view across that he thought that it was not necessary but he had changed his socks i think he maybe Won the comp, did he? Or I can't uh,
2: remember what. I don't know. It wouldn't be surprised if did. But before you go on, let's have a listen to him. So, so he's, he's okay. done exactly what you said. Um, everybody who listens to this show know, you know, Ewan Porter. Well, does an enormous amount still for golf in Australia, particularly promoting young golf. Um, he's a terrific advocate for the game and an interesting bloke and a great follow on his many and varied social media platforms. Um, exactly what Blakey said happened to him, and, and this is what you and Porter posted thereafter. I just want to say that
3: I do respect and appreciate the, tr- the traditions of the game of golf. Um, I'm somewhat of a historian myself. I love collecting retro and vintage golf equipment. Um, but at the same token, I look to the future and I, I try to see how we can expand the game of golf, reach different demographics. And let's call it as it is, when archaic rules are in place, like the color of your socks, Um, that's not going to help in fact it's going to hinder and it's going to drive people away from the sport and let's be honest too I mean white socks and black shoes when I was when I was playing interstate series uh, when I was an amateur golfer you used to get fined ten dollars for wearing white socks with uh, black shoes so I mean if it's good enough for Tiger Woods if it's good enough for Phil Mickelson i played golf multiple times with Adam Scott when he was back here and he was wearing black socks who is a fashion icon I just I, I don't really see how this rule can still be in place. Uh, look I mean'm I'm, I'm sorry for what's happened, but at the same token, I really hope that it's shed a bit of light uh, on the fact that certain traditions like this need to sort of look to the future of, of how we can evolve and and how
2: we can grow so so that that's the porter story there It, it begs what boy, do you think on, on, well this on this show two weeks ago. We were talking about Tyrrell Hatton and the hoodie and the the people losing their heads about a professional golfer wearing a hoodie and how it challenged some people's sense of what is right and wrong in the world of golf. Yet again, we have another example of a ridiculous rule that is not within the spirit of the game, the good of the game. It it, it serves no purpose other than... um, some old, worn-out tradition at some old conservative golf club. This, this and so it's only serving the um, the desires of an aging membership and an aging, potentially an aging committee of one particular golf club. This is the stuff, and it's only little, and it's not a in the minds of most people listening to this. It's probably not that big a deal. But this has got to change, Blakey. This is the stuff that has to stop because there'll be young members at golf clubs who have had the same thing happen to them that you and Porters had, and they're paying their two and a half, three, four, five, six, seven thousand dollars a year to be a member at some of these golf clubs. Maybe even more. And they are saying as a 28, 29, 30 year old man, what this stuff is. I'm not having some eighty year old bloke tell me that I can't wear it's And that's it. They lose a member. They lose a member potentially for life. It's got to change.
0: This touched off a a big debate, didn't it, on social media during the week. And uh, uh, I hear the people that say that private clubs uh, are allowed to have their rules as to what you can wear on their course. That's at one end of the spectrum of the arguments. And then there's the argument that you just put as well. Somewhere in the middle there, I think, yes, they're entitled to have their rules about who you know who what people wear when they're on their course they are entitled to do that because they're a private club however if the rule is a bit silly or or even a bit stupid then they should look at it so if we drill into this andy the little socks that people wear men wear to play golf nowadays they're not like the old anklet uh, sorry anklets or knee length socks that people well you can barely see them so i reckon that all clubs should be looking at you know white or black socks you know uh so just just bend a little bit and you don't have these problems and you don't get the bad publicity that comes Blakey,
2: with like you it. look at the pro most of the pro, not most a lot of the young pros nowadays they don't they wear those the invisible socks under their long pants
0: can't even see
2: it yeah can't even see but if you rocked up to some clubs in in Australia some private clubs in Australia wearing those you would get a tap on the... Chances are, in fact, almost certainly you get a tap on the shoulder. and say, like, excuse me, where are your socks? Well, they're under there. They're exactly the same socks that Tiger wears, that Justin Thomas wears, that doesn't... Oh, no, no, not here. No, no, you have to have a white pair of socks. And if they've got a logo on them, it has to be the logo of this golf club. So when you go to the pro shop, you have to buy pay, pay 35 bucks for a pair of socks you're never going to wear again. Just so you can have the great pleasure and good fortune... Um, and privilege to walk around and play on that member's golf club, which, is, yeah.
0: look. Clubs I, have got to be smart, don't they?
2: I think they have to. The, the notion that this stuff looks bad and is and anti-golf has got to change. So uh, I felt sorry for Yui. He's a bloke who's done so much for the game of golf. Um, around us, before we get to a break, um, we should touch base with what's gone on around the world. It wasn't a great week for the Aussies here, there and everywhere. A couple of noteworthy performances, but nobody really stuck their nose in the frame. Robin Choi uh, over on the Smetra Tour, another top 20 finish. Cam Smith, the, probably the best of the performances by an Australian around the world, finished 11th over there in the tournament won by Jason Kokrak, who won his first tournament team up for the 233rd time. Um, any great, other... great
0: intro, uh, Andy, w- relating to that. Uh, Ten years on the Tour, Jason Kokrak... Yeah. Uh, without a win until last weekend, and I was just reading the Fried Egg this morning, which is a what is that? A podcast and a website? It's a pod, yeah, podcast website. And a, yep. a, they've got a website as well. How's this for an intro? I, I love this. No one beats Jason Cockrack two hundred and thirty three times in a row. Right. That's the first paragraph. <laughs> I love that. What he, he, about ja- uh, Jason he, Day, mate? Jason yeah, Day so withdrew.
2: Another injury. Jason
0: yeah. Day was within within five going to the last round. Played one mm. hole. Neck got sore, or it's actually something he did in the warm-up. I, from what I understand, it's not too serious, so it's a little bit of a worry going, you know, only a couple of weeks out from the Masters. But, yeah, he did withdraw from that event.
2: Zach Murray, uh, but- the only Aussie that made the cut in Scotland. Adrian Otagwi. I always have trouble with... I reckon I've pronounced yeah. his bloke's surname about 30 different times on Spanish the way player. through, but the, the Spaniard won it. Rod Pampling was the best... Of the old boys, uh, finished top twenty again. Phil Mickelson won that tournament with some classic and typical Phil Mickelson flair on the way through. Some ridiculous shots he played to get himself out of trouble on a couple of occasions. But before we, get to, we should just make mention of Hayden Hope. Well, is a name that we've mentioned on this show on a couple of occasions. He caught our eye. I know you. We were talking. I think about we should him get on him shorty. on, Andy. Yeah, I we he's get him an on, Open uh, last year. Two years ago, he's a very good player. The amateurs went one-two in the WA Open, and the Haydens, Cornell at Hayden Hopewell beat Hayden Barrow. But um, Hopewell follows Murray and Luck, who have won this tournament in recent times uh, before they turned pro. And this kid's got—he's got, um, he's yeah. got a deep potential, I reckon. In front and of coach his. Andy,
0: name his coach. It'd
2: be Richie. I, bet, I reckon you'll been. get this. Rich, is it again. Richie? Richie Smith. Richie isn't?
0: Smith yep. comes out of the Richie Smith school.
2: Gee whiz, does he know how to... Uh, does he know, A, how to get he, get his hands on the good ones and, B, how to turn them into even better ones? He is like one of those
0: horse unique. trainers that gets all the good horses. <laughs> yes.
2: yeah, they but, show a bit of R- talent in someone else's stable. Well, I mean, Minwoo
0: Lee, like, Minji Lee, et cetera, Yeah, et cetera. yeah no, Yeah, he
2: knows Hannah what he's Green. doing. Um, we should get a break out of the way because Nick Dasty uh, can tell us more about the decision-making that led to... Uh, the cancellation of those two tournaments or the three big tournaments in Australia on the other side of the break, and he's standing by it to do just that. You're listening to Inside the Ropes. Um, more on the other side of this. Let's go back Inside the Ropes with Golf Australia. Great to have you with us. We've already sort of had a brief chat about what's happening to the Australian summer of golf and a man who's been right in the middle of it all, the, um, the, the attempt to keep it afloat and the ultimate decisions that a couple of our key tournaments had to be cancelled, is Nick Dasty, the PJ Tour of Australasia's tournament director, uh, a good friend of everyone here at Inside the Ropes and good enough to give up uh, some, some time again for us. Hey, Nick, thanks for joining us on the program, mate. Appreciate it.
4: Uh, no problem, Andy. Good, uh, good to come on.
2: How, um, how tough a week was it last week? You've been lining up all of the data and, you know, watching all of the global trends and speaking to god knows how many people in the lead up to ultimately having to make the decision last week about the open and the pga and of course the australian women's open was was in the mix as well how difficult was it to finally arrive at that decision uh
4: extremely extremely difficult um you know cancelling cancelling any tournament um for any reasons always always hard but um when you're cancelling our from a men's side our two major events um, with such great history um, and one that, you know, events that the, the fans look forward to as well coming out and, and it's a great opportunity to see our, our superstar players that come home along with the emerging young talent. So uh, cancelling those events and, and not having them go ahead this summer, um, yeah, it's an extremely tough week for... For all involved at, uh, at the PGA and, and Golf Australia.
2: Was there one development or was there one hurdle ultimately that was too difficult to overcome, Nick, that, that led to the decision needing to be made?
4: Yeah, I mean, really it's the, the uncertainty still. That There's so much uncertainty. But um, the difficult thing with, with each of those events in particular is the international element. Um, the amount of uh, players that come back, and you know, with the PGA being co-sanctioned with the the PGA uh, with the European Tour, the Australian Open always relying so heavily on on a number of international players coming back. Um, we also had the issue with uh, with crowds. Um, the Australian Open being played in in Victoria, um, the the Australian PGA in Brisbane, it was going to be basically near on impossible to have both, to have either international players and um, uh, travel travel back and, and perhaps set up a bubble type scenario, um, but also then have spectators. We, we, we certainly couldn't do both. Um, it was going to be very difficult for the events to, to go ahead in any fashion without uh, the co actioning with Europe and the international players required, and um, we certainly didn't want to run run events without without fans either, and and that makes it extremely challenging without the fans um, there. and um, so there's a number of reasons. Um, the health and safety of the players and officials and fans obviously paramount uh, in, in all those decisions. so yeah no no one specific yeah. Um, yeah. reason, but just a, just a magnitude of uh, difficulties.
2: So, so we'll talk to you about you know what's still going on you know domestically um, despite the decision made on the, the two big tournaments and the Women's Open. Was there consideration Nick, given to ju- from from a continuity perspective? Was there consideration given to just playing them with domestic players, a couple of New Zealanders who could people who could get into the country, cutting the losses? You know, obviously not getting the sort of media. Um, support you might have got, not getting the same sort of corporate level of support you might have got, but just for running the events and having them played with those domestic players who could make it, was there, was there consideration given to that?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Um, there was, there was a lot of work done on that sort of scenario, um, in in consultation with, with all the major stakeholders. And, um, I guess in the end financially and, and, um, the ability to still run the event. I mean, each of these events, regardless of whether it's just Australian-based players or uh, or with the internationals, they're still very expensive to run. Um, they're yeah. extremely golf golf's an extremely expensive sport to broadcast. Um, we unfortunately are not currently in in the position where we you know derive big income from from our broadcast. Um, the the expense of actually putting on that broadcast is significant and it's significant to the tournament budget. So, you know, with all the infrastructure required to, to run a golf tournament, it's not a matter of just going into a ready-made stadium that's, that's already there and, and, you know, unlocking the gates and, and in you go. There's there's a hell of a lot that goes into to putting on this size of event, and a lot of infrastructure that needs to be built. Um and, yeah, at the end of the day, the, the financial aspect of being able to put the events on, even at a even at a lower level um, for Australian-based players, uh, just didn't add up. And that's and why we had to get to the point where we have.
0: Nick, that was a good segue for me because I was asking someone in the industry yesterday about the finances of a COVID-safe golf tournament, like... Uh, the fact that you would need to create a bubble, the fact that uh, you'd need to do the testing of players and caddies to make sure everyone's safe, that kind of thing. Uh, what I was told was that one of the events in Scotland recently, I think it was probably the Women's British Open, uh, they had to pay an extra around about $200,000 US just to get thing get the thing safe so that they yeah. could have it and they created the bubble. Are we talking that kind of ballpark? Um, because that... That's just enough to kind of knock over one of our tournaments, obviously.
4: Yeah, it's actually probably a little bit higher if, if we're talking about the full yeah. full bubble. I mean, we're probably looking at uh, in the vicinity of uh, $100,000 just in regards to um, making the event COVID safe from a crowd point of view without talking about the the bubble for the players Um so once you bring, bring that aspect in for players and caddies and officials, um, yeah, it was it was certainly higher than the 200,000 US um, you just spoke about there.
0: So I think people, Andy, look, look at it and they say, oh, well, why don't they just move the, you know, Australian Open was going to be at King's Needs. Why don't they just move it to Queensland where the COVID numbers have been better and yep. stuff like that? But it's yep. just not that simple, is it, Nick? And everything's tied together. And you've also got the factor of sponsors, um, with these events where, you know, which which sponsor, Andy, is going to be happy when you go back to them and you say, we can't draw a field from overseas, we're just going oh, to play no. with local players, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so th- that's a yeah. bit of a factor as well, Nick, isn't it?
4: Oh, it is. And, and the reality is, you know, just moving the, the Vic Open to Queensland as an example, well, with the Aussie Open being due to be played at Kingston Heath in Victoria, a lot of the funding for, for the event was coming from victorian government and, and partners that are based in victoria so um they're not they're not going to want to see the, the event just move to queensland and and still invest in the event. so there's a, there's a hell of a lot of challenges on on that side to, to just moving event around it's it's certainly not simple um you know we, we're looking at what's happening in in other sports at the moment and um you, know, you only have to look at uh, the cricket at the moment no no confirmed schedule at the moment and, and a bit of uncertainty um, and that 's one team of, of players from India effectively coming in along with their um, partners and you know one traveling par- party so there 's challenges the the tennis uh, setting up i think they 're talking at the moment about setting up sort of six different bubbles around the country but we 're also talking about one of the four the world 's four majors with um, with massive revenue coming into the event, so their ability to try and do that and and pull it off uh, is a little bit different um, than what we're faced um, from from a golf point of view at the moment.
0: Well, even from a golf point of view, mate, the say the U.S. tour, which of course is continuing, you know, they're able to, they've got the finances to put everyone in a bubble to, you know, even private planes to the the events, keep them all all together do all the testing, that sort of stuff. It's just a, a hell of a difference. I mean, I know that one or two people have said since the cancellation of the events, you know, what, how come it can work in America and how come Europe can do it? But it's in the end, it becomes, first of all, a, a financial thing and also the fact that they can keep them in one, one area. And if you notice this week, the Zozo Championship on the PGA Tour is being played in America, not in Japan. You know, the CJ Cup, which was previously in Korea, last week was, was moved to America as well. So they, they're obviously able to keep them in one tight area. But the idea of us getting big-name foreign players out here and even our own great players, um, just too tough.
4: Yeah, look, at, I think it's, a, it's an unfair comparison when people are, are talking about the PGA Tour um, versus what, what we do over summer here. I mean, there's no travel restrictions uh, currently in the U.S. Um, whereas we can't even currently travel freely within Australia. Um, you know, they have a full schedule of events with an event every week uh, across the year. So so back in June, July, when when they restarted and um, were getting back underway, for all the international players, they knew that they could travel to the US, quarantine for, for two weeks, and knew that they were going to play another 25, 30 tournaments week in, week out for, you know, $7 million. Um, so so, going and spending the two weeks quarantining um to go back to the u s to play that sort of schedule is well and truly worthwhile. Coming down to Australia and potentially quarantining for two weeks prior to meant uh, not playing the two weeks previously to to play one or two events is is certainly not going to be worthwhile for the international players um and again, you know it comes back to what like you said, uh, they have massive t v broadcasts deals that, uh, that allow them to be able to do all these extra things and, and keep keep the tour running at the moment. Um, I don't know if you're across it, but overnight, Tiger's event um, in the Bahamas, which was due first week in December, has been cancelled. Um, so that, that shows the challenges. That's obviously outside the US, um, and, and they've decided to cancel that event um, for this year.
2: No, they're extraordinary They're extraordinary times. Nick Dasty's joined us, PGA Tour of Australasia's tournament director. I won't hold you to this, Nick, but it, it, have you got a gut feel as to whether, it, it? you know, the tournaments now stay in that January to March window going forward, even though they haven't been played there this year, the intention because of what happened was that they would. It, is that your gut feel that it, that will be where they position themselves going forward?
4: Uh Look, I would expect certainly from an Australian PGA point of view that it'll remain in that early December uh, window that it's traditionally been. Um, The Australian Open, we we obviously need to have those discussions uh, or some more discussions with Golf Australia around that. Um, But certainly the the challenges, as much as we would would love to play three, four of our big events in a row, um, whether that's at the end of the year or or the new year, and I, I hear this. Debate a lot, and I know it's debated a bit on on this show, and yes, um, yep. it, it's a it's a big discussion point. But um, you know, the, w- we've gone out recently to to all our leading players, um, particularly all the players that are based on overseas tours, whether that be Japan, Europe, um, Asia, or, or America. And and the feedback that that we get, and the feedback that we've also had from from a number of leading player. Uh, agents that look after a number of the top U.S.-based players is at the end of the year. That that December period um, is the best chance of getting, you know, those top thirty, forty players in the world. Those players that are committed to playing the PGA Tour to come down to our country. And and you know, we're we're only ever going to get a handful of those. We're we're never going to get unless we've got the president's cutback or something like that. We're we're never going to get you know twenty or thirty of these guys down. But in, to get four or five um, into any of our major events, that are from players that are particularly playing on the PGA Tour, it appears that you know November December is is the best chance. For that once we get into late January February, um, there's some there's some key tournaments on the PGA Tour that uh, that a lot of the guys won't won't leave the US for, and, and it's early in, in their season. Now, from the European Tour player perspective, and and Japan early in the year is great. So I think we need to find a balance where we do have uh, a couple of our major events towards the end of the year um, where we can attract those PGA Tour players. And and if we can get two or three major events back to back in that January, February window, uh, I think that meets up for our uh, players in Japan or or any of the Japanese international players that might want to travel down to Australia and also European Tour.
0: Nick, we're going to get to uh, some of the things that are going ahead Uh, over the next few months soon. But I just wanted to ask you, we spoke to Matt Griffin on this program a couple of weeks ago. and He normally plays on the Japan Tour, as you well know, and uh, he's got nowhere to play because he can't get back in there for the rest of the year. Now we've got uh, these two big events being cancelled in Australia, which Matty would normally play in as well. Um, And I'm not just talking about Matty. I'm just wondering whether you must have members, as in players, who are really struggling at the moment. Uh, financially and emotionally, um, what's happening in that space?
4: Yeah, definitely. Um, it's It's not a great it's not a great time to be a uh, professional golfer at the moment. Um, if if you're not on the PGA Tour or even the European Tour, so um, you know we we have a number of guys like Matty. Um, I mean, we've got seven or eight guys that play up in Japan that would normally be playing week in, week out at the moment. Brad Kennedy, Dave Bransden, Brendan Jones, um, Matt Griffin, as you mentioned. Yeah, the, the list goes on. Um, who, who who make a good living up in up in Japan. And, and a lot of Aussie golf fans probably don't follow the um, Japanese tour so much. But they do play for quite a bit of money in Japan. And, and these guys are normally over there playing uh, week in, week out and, and forging a living. We've, we've got uh, all our Australian-based professionals at the moment who, although we you know, we would only have just got back into sort of tournament season right now and we have had a couple of events over the last couple of weeks that have been, you know, limited to those in those states. But um, they've missed out on a hell of a lot and they've missed out on a hell of a lot of opportunities to, to earn a living. And, and not only that, um, get better and, and get to a point where they can graduate to an overseas tour. So they are doing it extremely tough at the moment. Um, it's It's hard because, you know, there's not a hell of a lot that we can actually do right now in this in this time, other than continue to work with with everyone and, and try and get events on as soon as we can. And um, I know we're going to we're going to have a chat about them in a minute, but you know we we do have some events for the early part of next year, um, but it's certainly not the events where the guys can can really make uh, good money and and like I said, potentially graduate to uh, to overseas opportunities.
0: Well, the Vic Open and the New Zealand Open, as things stand, are still on the calendar. I believe there's going to be an announcement about the Vic Open this week, and I'm not uh, able to say any more about that. But uh, there's certainly the Players Series coming up, and I know that this well, last week was the WA Open, uh, won by Hayden Hopewell, an 18-year-old amateur, Nick. Yeah. And uh, you've, you've also got the yeah the NTPGA this week. You've got Players Series in... Um, January, that January to March period, you got the Gippsland Super 6 you're expecting to run. So there's a few bits and pieces, isn't there, that, that uh, are coming up on the on the schedule? And the Queensland, is, up I should is. have mentioned as well.
4: Yeah, so we're, we're lucky enough to, to still run the WA PGA up at Kalgoorlie um, and also the WA Open last week. But they were for Western Australian-based players only. Um, we had young Jared Felton um, got over the line over at Kalgoorlie and, and had a great win over Brett Rumford by a shot um, Hayden Hopewell you mentioned there, 18 year old amateur, I've been super impressed by this kid over the last sort of 12 months um, he, he nearly won the WA Open last year, I think he finished second last year he finished top 10 in the Gippsland Super 6 playing off a, an invite after winning Ewan Porter's uh, Junior Sixes event um, so he, he's really one to, to look look out for. He, ha, he had a pretty good Australian Open as well last year. Um, it reminds me a bit of um, uh, young Aaron Badley when when, uh, when he was sort of breaking onto the scene as an amateur. So, yeah, keep an eye out for Hayden. Uh, the NCPGA this week is going ahead. It's going ahead with players from New South Wales, Queensland, South Australia um, all travelling up to to the nt it's uh it's nice and hot and humid up there at the moment so that event was originally scheduled for august and and we pushed back in the hope of it still being open to all players but with the travel restrictions and um we've had to make it an unofficial uh order un, and on order of merit event so an unofficial event but it is still sitting on our on our tour and um fantastic support from the NT government and um Parson club to still put on the event and provide that playing opportunity and and that's really uh what we need to do in the early part of next year and you know I'd ask anybody out there um that uh, that wants to support golf in any way we are looking to try and put all these events on at the start of the year the Gippsland super six will be the first event uh, in in late january the two new players series events which you know we've spoken about on this show before but a, a really exciting opportunity for for male and female and golfers to come together and compete and they're being presented by jeff overby at uh at rosebud and and Brayson astor up at bonnie doon you mentioned the queensland open the Vic pga and it like ending our uh, 2021 Order of Merit season with the New South Wales Open in late March uh, back at uh, Concord Golf Club, which is which is a great course up there in Sydney. And that event will be played for $400,000. With It actually this year, for the first time, has six um, $50,000 two-day regional qualifiers associated with it. So, so there are some playing opportunities in, in the new year, but, but like I said, you know, if there's anyone out there that, that really wants to support golf and, and allow us to to try and increase some of the prize money that, that these young players um, have not been able to play for in recent time, then certainly uh, would be happy to take any phone calls or inquiries from, from anyone out there.
2: Oh, And we'll celebrate it on a show like this, Nick. Um, there's absolutely no doubt about that. We're all in this... Together, you know, we might have slightly different views about, you know, A, B, C or D, but the the bottom line, the the baseline is that we're all, you know, in this together. We want, you know, the Australian golf, the heartbeat of of golf in Australia to be as strong as it possibly can be and the opportunities to players. We know what we're like in terms of, you know, producing world-class players, boys and girls, men and women. We want them to be strong and um, vibrant and um, many, so... Um, mate, the minute you get a positive phone call, let us know and and we'll do our bit in. So, certainly singing from the highest rafters that you know somebody's got on board yep. to, to help out here or there, mate. You you can count on that. So that's
4: that's um, true. can I can I just say it needs to. You know the way this show um, promotes our young players and and certainly um, our male and female. Professionals that are overdoing it on the world stage, and, and the interviews you get with them when they're playing well, and, and even when they're not playing well, mm. I think, fantastic. Um, but for us to have those players playing on on those overseas tours uh, in the future, we need to be strong here in Australia, and, and we need those playing opportunities um, so that the guys and girls can graduate. And you know, I mentioned before the Hayden Hopewells, even the elite amateurs, the eighteen-year-olds that are coming through. There's some serious talent in this country, um, but if we don't have the opportunities here, it's hard for them to make that uh, that next step. And, and unfortunately, we can we can lose them to the, the game of professional golf. So, yeah, the support that you guys give um, week in week out on this show and um, giving these players a voice, and and I think for golf lovers to, to get to know them, is fantastic. So yeah, please keep that up. We will Thank make you, Nick. Yes, hey, uh... good.
2: Yeah, good luck with everything in front of you, mate. You've got a thousand balls in the air, and uh, it, we understand the the challenges. To a degree, we understand the challenges that you're dealing with. So um, we wish all the very best. This this thing will turn at some stage, and you know we'll come out of it the other side. Hopefully, you know better than we ever have been before. Let's keep our fingers crossed. Um, Nick, thanks for coming on the show. All the best.
4: Appreciate it. Thanks, guys.
2: Nick Dasty, the PGA Tour of Australasia's tournament director. Uh, we'll watch this space. As I said, we're you know we're recording this on a Wednesday morning regarding the couple of the tournaments you mentioned, Blakey. You know the Vic Open and New Zealand Opens in particular. There'll be announcements one way or the other on those. We don't have any information on that as uh, at the time of recording, but uh, who knows? By the time you're listening to it, there might have been some movement on either or both of those fronts. Um, speaking of those young players, Elvis Smiley, who destroyed a quality field at the Capera Bowl. Uh, For the second year in a row, he wins it, uh, shot 62 in the final round. He's going to join us on the other side of the break. You're listening to Inside the Ropes.
4: Let's go back Inside the Ropes with Golf Australia.
2: Welcome back to the show. Um, Keen Australian golf fans will have kept an eye on what took place up at the Capera Bowl last weekend. Blakey, have you ever won anything by 13 shots? Have you ever decimated a field to that sort of extent?
0: That's a very easy question to answer. Andy. No, right. <laughs> De- definitely not. I mean, he was he was five in front coming into the last round because it's a seventy-two hole event, and then he's reeled off a sixty-two, which yeah. uh, is pretty good going. And two in a row for Elvis. And we must mention yeah. we must mention also Andy. For the first time, the famed Capera Bowl, up north of Brisbane, there, the home club of Johnny Senden. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a women's event this year for the first time and Justice Bosio, a 16-year-old from the Sunshine Coast, won that. So a little bit of a history there, but Elvis just sort of uh, blocked the sun. He's a big <laughs> he <did>. man, <laughs> he and he did block the sun. Well, he's tall, uh, he's not broad.
2: There's not a lot of breadth. There's a lot of, there's a lot of length, and uh, the young fellows has been good enough to join us. After, as you say, Martin, his second straight win at the Capera Bowl, and he didn't just win this one. He decimated some highly, highly ranked and highly qualified players. Um, Elvis, thanks for joining us on the show, mate. Hey, guys.
1: Thanks for having me on the show. It's awesome to be on here.
2: Oh, um, okay, third in your... Th- I don't even know where to start, really. 62 in the final round and a 13-shot margin, and you've left some national champions and highly qualified players in your wake. Um, did you know coming into the week that you were in pretty good nick? Did you did your game feel like it was in, in that sort of shape?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, going back to a couple of months prior, uh, I played the Queensland Strokes play at my home club, Southport, and I, I won that by nine shots. So I, I definitely felt uh, confidence going to the event, also being the defending champ. Um, I'm really familiar with the course, and, uh, yeah, it's it's like my second home up there. So um, I'm uh, I'm really appreciative uh, for all the support i received throughout the week, and, yeah, it was a, a week I'll never forget. It was, it was special, yeah.
2: And when you start piling together you know around like you did in the final round, the 62 that blakey mentioned where do you go is it just a i know you you preach the one shot at a time um you know mantra but do you get into a zone where you know you've got the thing one you, you, you're miles in front and you think right let, let's see what i can do here where, where were you where was your headspace at halfway through that final round
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I started off the round uh, with four straight pars. Um, So my my playing partners were Jed Morgan and Laurie Flynn, who are uh, both part of the Queensland Academy of Sports. So I'm fairly familiar with playing with them. And Jed made birdie on the the second to get, I think, four back. Um, And then it was the fifth at Capera. So for people that know Capera, the fifth is a massive tree on the corner. and You have to hit over the tree in order to hit on the fairway. Um, I hit in the greenside trap for two and then I think Jed had just left to the green for two and he chipped out to about eight foot Um, and I had a greenside bunker shot and I ended up holding that for eagle Um, and unfortunately Jed missed his birdie putt so that was a a massive momentum swing there Um, and I ended up going eagle birdie 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 to go five under in my next however many holes (laughs) to turn five under and then um yeah, through nine, I don't, I don't know how many hours ahead, but I just tried doing my own thing and, um, just staying in my own lane. And, um, yeah, mentally I was just awesome. I, I don't know, it was just awesome to be able to keep going and keep making birdies. And, um, I wasn't worrying about really winning it. I was just worrying about as low well as I can go. And, um, yeah, 10 under was, um, uh, it's pretty crazy looking back at it. It's my lowest round, And, um, uh, yeah, I think I uh, I think I tied the, the course record there with um, with Scotty Draper, who's a really close friend of mine. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm honoured to, to share that with him as well. So it was amazing. Yeah.
2: Gee, there'd be a long family history there, wouldn't there, between the the tennis playing side of your family and the and the golf, the, the, the colliding of the two sports. There'd be a there'd be a fair history between between the Smiley's and and the Drapers, I imagine.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, my dad managed Scott for... Um, my dad had a, a sports management business for 20-odd years and um, he managed Scott um, for, for all his career. So I've actually been able to play a couple of games with Scotty and he's a great, great guy and, um, yeah, he's, he's an awesome guy.
0: <laughs> Elvis, uh, your uh, mother, Liz, who's still slightly more famous than you, I'm not sure how long that's going to be for, but she posted on either Instagram or Twitter or something this week, a screenshot of your Golf Australia handicap, which is now plus seven, which I've never heard of Andy. I've heard of plus six or maybe Leishman might've been off plus 70 when he, when he played in the comp at Port Ferry one day. Um, Have you had a chance to have a crack at a a club comp at Southport off plus seven? That's, that's pretty daunting. I would have thought.
1: <laughs> I haven't yet, but I'd, I'd love to. It's um, it's definitely pretty daunting knowing I nearly have to give in a food round um, half the the amount of holes back in shots. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll definitely, I'll definitely love to uh, to go out and try and see if I can get a ball in the rundown.
0: <laughs> Where would you say your your games at Elvis? Because you're, you're probably still growing. I, I think you're what you're about six foot four in the old, maybe one hundred and ninety five, something like that. Yeah, um, I
1: think I'm six two. I think at the moment, and um, six two, skin okay. and bone, So I'm still still getting bigger. <laughs> um, what about weight wise? Yeah. Are you
0: still you're putting on bulk, or you're you in the gym um, because you know you're a bit of a Yeah, like, so of I bands.
1: yeah, so I'm, um, I'm part of the QAS as I mentioned before, and I've. Our trainer, Jordan Desbro, um, I've been working with him for about, I think just over a year now and he's, he's been great to me. Um, and yeah, I think I'm, I haven't gained much weight, but it feels like I'm, I'm getting a lot stronger. Um, uh, my, my golf swing definitely feels a lot more stabler than, um, than before. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, I'm liking the progress I'm doing with him and, um, yeah, just keep working hard and getting stronger.
0: What about lengthwise? Are you hitting it further all the time? Like, how far can you shift the ball um, off the tee at the moment? You know, on a normal day. Um, no with drive, I could probably.
1: I mean, if there's no wind, I probably can get it to 270, 280 meters. Um, and then if it's blowing downwind, I could maybe push 300. Um, so yeah, it's 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 getting there, but length's not really my. Um, the massive thing with me, it's more being able to control your, controlling your shades, controlling the flight of the ball, and and having a bit of fun with it. That's what I'm really, um, just getting better at right now, and yeah, I'll continue to get better at it.
0: Now, Andy's desperate to ask you a story uh, about a, an anecdote about you from <laughs> very young days, but oh, yes. uh, before I do, I want to, I just need to put a proposal to you that I become your future manager, and we charge a dollar or two for every time an interviewer asks you about your name, because every time you do a longer interview, you're going to be asked about your name, aren't you?
2: Just constantly.
0: We might just charge you yeah, a couple of dollars each time. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've
1: been, been asked a lot of questions about um, my name. I remember going back to the Australian Open last December. Um, I shot, I think, four under in the second round and all the the press were asking me about getting caught in a trap and using all the Elvis punts. And <laughs> um, it was pretty funny, to be honest. Um, but everyone says, oh, do you mind, do you mind? I said, look, it's it's all part of it. So I, I really don't mind. But, um, yeah, my dad was obviously a massive Elvis Presley fan, so that's why my name's Elvis. <laughs> so <laughs> who's your... Father, who's Father you, Peter, who's of, you, course. of
2: course. Of course. Who's your shoe sponsor, Elvis?
1: Uh, Footjoy, Footjoy.
2: Well... Well, your old man or you, whoever you speak to at FootJoy, they need to get you a pair of blue suede golf shoes. That is clearly the next <laughs> thing that we need to have. And that's not my line. I work with a bloke called Bob Murphy on radio down here in Melbourne on a, who is a massive Elvis Presley fan. Uh, he's <laughs> obsessed with you even though he doesn't know you, and he's already suggested on here that uh, you get some blue suede golf shoes. So, so we've heard your mum tell the story about Priscilla. But I've never heard you tell the story about your encounter with Priscilla Presley. Can you can God. you give us your can <laughs> you give us your your take on that historic moment?
1: To be honest with you, Andy, I can't. I know it sounds terrible, but I can't even remember it. That's how right. young I was. I know it sounds. I so think bad you were three, well, weren't
2: yeah. you? I'm not.
1: Surprised. Yeah, You're only a baby. Yeah. I think all I remember is I was in um, a hotel called the Paramount in Melbourne, and I was. I think it was the same week as the Australian Open. I think my mum was either, she was either playing or she was playing in the, the Legends Invitational thing. Um, but all I remember is um, I, was in a, I was in a lift with her and I jumped in and um, Tony Roach, who is my godfather, um, who's obviously, you know, doesn't need any introduction. He's one of the greatest tennis players of all time. He, um, his grandson had his birthday and we're on our way up to the pool and i jumped in and i think my dad yells elvis get down here right now um or else you can't go for a swim and in the the elevator was priscilla so priscilla thought and obviously elvis presley was obviously he was passed way way after this uh sorry no way before this and um priscilla thought you know my dad was talking to you know dead elvis presley and priscilla (laughs) thought that's really crazy (laughs) <laughs> um, That's a great so, story. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it's it just was a great story um, It's
2: just an awesome story. Yeah,
1: I, definitely, my dad tells the story a lot better than I do. it's <laughs> very good. Um, but yeah, it hey, was amazing. <laughs> it was hey, I,
2: I, I, just getting back to an answer you gave to Blakey before about distance, and and I loved your answer. You know, you're working on ball control, and you know, distance yep. is is not the priority for you at the moment. Are you? Are you? Do you keep an eye on? global golf trends, do you follow what the best in the world are doing? Do you look at, you know, Shambo and Kepka and DJ? Are you looking at these hulking monsters and seeing what they're doing? And if so, yeah. is do you, do you feel like you need to, at some stage, you do need to kind of chase that if the rules of the game don't change?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a really um, like interesting topic. I mean, it's Bryson, it's, it's crazy what he's what he's done and what he's transformed into. And he's obviously his ability to, um, God, I don't know what the word is, but just completely revamp his golf game. Mm. Uh, and he's absolutely overpowering the golf courses. And, you know, I, I admire his work ethic in order to get to where he is now. Uh, and obviously Brooks and Rory are all the top guys are trying to keep up with him. But I feel like that, yeah, it's just, it's really interesting what they're going to, they're going to do because it's not like they're going to have to keep expanding the golf course, but I don't know because I don't know how they're going to do that. So then they might have to dial the ball back. They might look, yeah, it's, it's really interesting what the next couple of years to 10 years hold for the game of golf. Uh, but for me personally, I mean, I'm still, you know, skin and bone, I'm completely different to Brighton, and um, I think, yeah, I'm just going to keep doing what I need to do. I'm not going to worry about too much about you know what the top guys are doing because obviously it's great to watch them absolutely bomb the golf ball but um yeah once i'm in that in that situation hopefully in the next couple of years time i'll um i'll know how to handle how i can play my best golf yeah
2: great answer again mate so what is your timeline the golf's you know golf around the world has been and domestically it's been sort of really you know badly knocked on the head with with the coronavirus i not quite sure how that's affected what you had planned for you. But what is the next... Mm. Have you got... Sorry, how far down the line have you got your pathway kind of mapped out?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've been asked the question a lot, actually, uh, when are you going to turn? And for me personally, I'm always going to respond with the exact same thing, and that's I'll know when the time's right for me to turn. So mm. I'm not going to put an exact timeline on when I'm on when I want to turn pro because personally, I feel like it's sooner rather than later. And even though I'm 18 years old, I I feel like I know how to 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 win. And I've got, you know, a really good mentality. And I'm really lucky to have the people around me. I've got my coach, Ian Triggs, and I've got my mind coach, Sean Lynch, um, who are both legends of, you know, teaching the best players in the world. So, um, uh, yeah, to be honest with you, it's just, I'll know when the time's right. And I really want to um if something special happens at the Asia Pacific Amateur next year at Royal Melbourne in October and I happen to win the that event, I get in the masters in the open. So it's there's so many things to look forward to and uh yeah, I just gotta keep working hard, doing all the one percenters and uh yeah, just we'll see what happens.
2: Nice to be in a position, isn't it, Blakey, where you can where you can start to put those sorts of signposts down the down the track for you like that's what a great thing for you to be able to aim at elvis and you know uh, it doesn't sound like you're an impatient young kid it doesn't sound like that's going to be the thing it's all about all of the other things the you know the internal understanding of where you're at and the advice of those who have seen others go through it before you it's um, and you obviously you've talked about your coaches it's Great to have your mum and dad also in the same position who have seen – in your corner who have seen plenty of others go through it in in this sport and others. So uh, you do sound like you've got a a lot of great people around you who are just, you know, steering you if you need steering in the right direction. Yeah,
0: yeah. Just one thing. um, Yeah, I'm really privileged. Sorry, Elvis. Uh, one thing, what, what are you up to outside of golf nowadays, Elvis? I know you said to me that you're going to work today behind a bar or something. Uh, I presume you've finished schooling. Are you going to go to uni at all? Uh, what, what, what happens outside of golf? Sorry, you just cut out
1: there, Martin. Oh, sorry. sorry.
0: Sorry, Elvis, was, I was asking about outside golf. You said you were working behind a bar or something today. Have you, you know, have you finished your schooling and that sort of thing? Are you, are you going to go to uni or anything like that? What What are your plans outside of golf and what do you do outside of golf?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'm, um, I'm working behind the bar at Southport uh, Golf Club. So um,
0: yeah, it's nice, nice just
1: to earn a bit of extra pocket money and I um, I practice before and after my shift, so it actually works out pretty well. I can treat it as a bit of a break, which is nice. So, And all the members are great here, so it's, I don't have a problem with dealing with them. <laughs> That's
2: great. Hey, mate, good luck. It's awesome to see what you've done. You know, we've obviously... One of our great friends here on this podcast is, is you know, Mike Clayton, and he's a great advocate of yours, and we, we you know, feel like we're very invested in the Elvis Smiley story on this podcast, so... We're excited to see what you've what you've done, what you're doing, and what lies in store for you, mate. Well done, at Capera! Unbelievable performance. Um, have a great next twelve months. I'm sure we'll probably speak to you between now and then. Thanks for coming on the show today. We really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. All the best, Elvis Smiler, who won the Capera Bowl for the second straight year by 13 shots, shooting 62 in the final round. From one end of the golfing spectrum, Blakey, to the other, we're going to go to Gunnedah Golf Club on the other side of the break and catch up with an old-timer who ticked a very significant golfing box of his own uh, on the weekend. We'll uh, do that. After this, you're listening to Inside the Ropes. Let's go back Inside the Ropes with Golf Australia. Just about done and dusted. Uh, We love these stores. I don't know where you get them from, Blakey, where you and Hazy get these yarns from, but you do get these little... (laughs) No, these little golden nuggets every now and again. and I, I, Most of us haven't heard of Owen Wells, but we're about to <laughs> now. 78-year-old member at Gunnedah Golf Club, and he has... Well, it's not exactly a, a grand slam, but it is a grand slam of sorts. What do you actually
0: call club, it, it, Andy? What? I don't know what your He's name is. He's aced all four holes at Canada Golf Club over his career. That's all the yeah, par so threes. That's a kind of a a Gunadar Grand Slam, I guess. Yeah,
2: Grand or an yeah. Ace Slam or something. <laughs> I wonder if what, Owen might have come up with the name of it for himself. He's been good enough to join us. Owen, thanks for joining us on the show. You're welcome. Seventy-eight years old, and and the other so there's four par threes at Gunadhar. And what, what? How many days ago did you finally? Um, have a hole in one on on the final and yet to previously yet to be conquered par three.
5: That was the 26th of August. I got the last one, the seventh. Uh, I think it was 1986 uh, that I got the first one here.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so how long? How long have? How for? Me, how many near misses have you had at the seventh on the way through?
5: <laughs> oh, Marty, I couldn't. I couldn't count them. You know, you, over the, the years that you play, here. You have so many that's so close. So I thought I've, I thought I got it a couple of times, but it didn't work out that way. But I ended up beating it.
0: <laughs> Talk so us up. through the shot, yeah. Owen. Uh, what club, what was your yardage? Uh, did you hit a nice little soft draw in and spin it back into the hole, or but, but what, did, what did you do? Uh,
5: it's 160 odd metres and uh, it's got out of bounds on it as well. Um, I, I hit a little hybrid uh, Cobra. Uh, I, I, when I hit it, it was going straight at it Like as soon as I hit it. But I thought I got it a little bit heavy and I gave up on it. I, I was c- convinced that it didn't go over the back. But when it landed on the green, something checked it up and it
2: just rolled up the green and went in the hole. And you saw it go in?
5: I gave up on it and I bent down to pick up. I don't think I had it, tell you. I think I hit it off the deck. But I, I gave up on it, <laughs> and I didn't see it go in, but the two of the boys said, oh, that went in the hole. And you know, so I said, oh, that's good. <laughs> uh,
2: so is this clearly, out of the four, where, is the seventh the most difficult of the par threes? Is that why it's taking you so long, Owen, to, to, to knock this one over?
5: Oh, well, well the, the, the second is only 121, but the, the other three par threes are uh, are not easy to get at. Um, the, the 12th is 176 the other two is 160 odd um, and the 12th is all, it's also out, out of bounds so they're, they're, they're not easy to get at but uh, the 7th the is one that you've got to watch that you don't hit it out of bounds and
0: yeah so that was pretty good and I believe Owen it's not those four Holland ones that we're talking about there <laughs> are not your only ones because you had one somewhere else a few years oh, ago is that right, right? it's awesome. a pretty decent yeah, I got uh, one of- I got,
5: career, got one on the holes in one. I got
0: one at, uh, at Dun
5: Yeah,
0: I was a member of Everett for a long while. Yeah. <laughs> You've played golf pretty much your whole life. I think you're a you were a <laughs> career. Cop no, really,
5: uh... really, I was I was a late starter. I I, uh, I played cricket and I um, Wingham was my hometown, and that's where I started uh, playing golf. Uh, I think I won a third grade championship there. I think about the first or second year that I was playing and. Um, then I left there. I went in the police force, and I, of course, I went to Sydney. I didn't play then again for another ten or twelve years. And uh, it wasn't until I got down to single figures, until I came to Gunadour and had a lesson off a pro, and he taught me how to hold it, not like a cricket bat. <laughs> <laughs> right.
3: right.
2: How many other people drive. Anyone else? Anyone else at Gunadour lay claim to the same feat? I or are you a man alone when it comes to having a hole in one on all of them? No, I'm, I'm the only one apparently. Yeah, when was it established? Well, 1937. 30,
0: 1937. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah okay. No. No, no, part of the uh, publicity office of You can hear there in the background there, Andy. Oh, did they? they uh, yeah. I think they gave you a bit of a some sort of presentation, but you know, I presume there'd be a fair bit of gold leaf up on the boards there, honor right. boards there <laughs> at Gunnerday. The, no,
5: they, they they did. They gave me a really uh, a nice presentation. I was quite I was quite uh, yeah I, I really had a great night and uh, they gave me two beautiful trophies they're um, way above what I expected to get yeah so I was I was very I was very
1: lucky.
0: Well, we use the expression here uh, golf about golf being a game for life and at 78 years of age oh, um, goodness, for you to be still having holes in one it's it's you know without. Being too serious about it. I mean, golf is a fantastic sport for people of all ages, isn't it? Um, you know, to to keep getting out in the sure. in the sun, Andy, and uh, oh, yeah. and the and the breeze, and just smell the flowers and watch the birds and hit a few balls. It's just yeah, it's well, great I, for I, that I, that I, I, aspect not
5: it? I, I never forgot a comment about with uh, Big Raymond Floyd, the big American, when he <laughs> uh, bombed one into the into the lake down at the lakes so there one day, and it went. Just in the edge of the in the edge of the water, and he said golf was called golf because all the other four-letter words had been taken. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it brings out it brings out the best and the worst to us. On. Hey, we can, we're always keen to know. I'm always keen. To, what, what are the? Have you got good young member numbers at Gunnar? Is it? Have you got good young players coming through there?
5: There's, there seems to be more now than there has been for a long time, but. I was only reading the annual report the other day, like we're having a record number of uh, social golfers. And I was like, there's big coal mines here. And so there's a lot of extra people around. And a lot of them, yeah, is playing golf. Yeah, so the club is running really well, you know, with the drought and the COVID and all this sort of thing. They've done uh, an unbelievable job to have it as good as what it is.
2: Oh, well, people will know more about it after your feet, mate. Congratulations. It's remarkable. There's a lot of people who have been playing golf their whole life who have never had one, uh, and to hear yeah. that somebody you know, has had uh, had four on the four par threes at his golf club is going to be a real bitter pill for them to swallow. that will make him go out on <laughs> Wednesday Saturday and try even harder, Owen. Hey, congratulations. And, hey, well, thanks for letting us know about yeah. Owen's feet, mate. We appreciate yeah. it.
0: Oh, mate,
4: we're... Blown away here. It's excellent.
5: Thank you. Yeah, it's something you Good don't expect, you. but anyway, it's happened, and I've really enjoyed talking. No. Good on you, mate. It's well, a if great there's story. anyone
0: out there, Andy, if there's anyone out there who knows of someone else who's done that, yeah. and I think it's fairly unlikely, but if there is, make sure they let us know because Wall, who's the publicity officer for the club at Gunnedah, uh, did a great job of writing out a little release for us this week and sent it through. So, well done to to Gunnedah for for that information
2: good on you wal and congratulations owen. Thanks. thanks for coming on and having a chat fellas thanks. we appreciate it thank,
5: thank you boys it was very nice thank you thanks
1: boys
2: good on you owen wells and wal carter from ganada golf club we're just about done and dusted a couple of little things you brought to my attention something that happened um on a new zealand racetrack uh yeah. this week could you just set it up before we go to the audio will you
0: so there was a race happening at Ellerslie in New Zealand, Andy, and it happens to be that in the centre of the Ellerslie racetrack, there is a pitch-and-putt golf course. Oh, this is not so some guy has hacked his ball out off the pitch-and-putt and onto the racetrack, and he's decided to go out and play it. No preferred lie, just go out and play it in the middle of the track. While the horses are coming. Now we, we make oh, jest of this, but it could have been it could have been absolutely horrendous. But what I want you to listen to now, as a, a great broadcaster yourself, is one of the very good pieces of broadcasting. Uh, it's from uh, a guy called George Simon who was calling the race and have a listen to the spray <laughs> that he gives. We'll just have a listen now.
2: Magic Wonder leads by two
4: links here. Shamal is up there handy. So they come to the first in the centre. Perry Mason is next and then Dez de jure and Napoleon. So they've cleared that one. There are some absolute idiots playing golf out on the course proper. Can
2: you believe that? Down towards you, Absolute kids. (laughs) So that fantastic stuff. If you ever go to Ellerslie, here's a little tip. If you ever go to Ellerslie and you're playing that pitch and putt, and you actually you you shank one or pull one off track, and it's onto the, you should be able to tell the difference between the golf course and the racing. Just look left and right before you go and play your ball. If there's some thundering steeds coming your way, best you just let them go by before you pull out your pitching wedge and try and get it back on track. I reckon. Uh, good now, stuff.
0: get into golf, Andy. Uh, yes, I just easy. want to run this by you. Get Into Golf is Golf Australia's adult beginner program to fast track new golfers onto the course. A five-week program that teaches the basics in a fun and inclusive environment. Get Into Golf has four different versions of their programs. The Get Into Golf co-gender for everyone. Get into golf women, get into golf all abilities and get into golf seniors, which is for the 55 pluses like me. Head to golf.org.au backslash get into golf and search for a program near you. If there isn't a program close enough yet, please back check regularly as more and more centers are running the program and coming online each week. Programs are here to COVID safe practices. And I must mention MyGolf before I go as well to Andy. MyGolf is Australia's national introductory program for kids aged 5 to 12 years, both boys and girls. MyGolf is the ideal way for your child to learn the basics of golf and have a lot of fun along the way. Programs are here to COVID safe practices And again, head to golf.org.au backslash mygolf to find a program near to you for your child. And that's about all I have, Andy, for you.
2: Fantastic way to get involved in the game. We say that every week. Uh, Lovely to see you, mate. You've done a super job pulling this together in the absence of M Hayes. And we have done pretty much a full spectrum of the No female voices on the show today. But uh, the men's game, we have gone far and wide, I reckon, in terms of covering this, that, and everything. So... Good work from you. Um, I'm not sure when I'll see you next, but I'm looking forward to it already. Thanks for being part of it today, mate. Thanks, Andy. Martin Blake filling in magnificently for Marquez. That has been Inside the Ropes episode number 186. Back next week to do it all again.